Hey podcasters, we are living in unprecedented times. And currently our church is not meeting in person. We have moved all of our worship services online. And so the messages that you'll be hearing here on the podcast are part of online worship experiences, which are quite a bit different from in-person gatherings. So there might be breaks in the message where we shift to a different element or I'll refer to things that are links uh, in the description. And so those don't apply, but still we want you to be able to follow along with our messages and stay connected to our church. Of course, in this time, uh, we hope that you are being faithful to give and support your local church. But if Faith Church is your local church, we would greatly appreciate it if you would support us in this season by going to faithinchandler.com slash give or using the Venmo app to make your donation to the username at faithfwbchurch. We greatly appreciate your continuing uh, support during this time. May God bless you and keep you well in this pandemic. Hey friends, I'm so excited to talk to you about the fact that Easter is a message of hope for doubters from John chapter 20. These are difficult times, and in difficult times we are just constantly looking for some good news, but then when good news comes, we struggle to believe it. It's because our frustration and our fear has made us scared to believe anything. You see, frustration and fear breed skepticism and cynicism. You've probably experienced this over the last couple of weeks when somebody says something along the lines like, hey, did you hear the latest? And you're like, oh, what now? Right? You kind of defaulting to it's going to be bad. It's going to be negative. Um, I experienced something similar to this. This past week, I was watching Lego Masters with my kids. And Lego Masters is a show, if you've never seen it, it's a show of Lego, incredible Lego builders building these epic sets and scenes as a competition. And we were really looking forward uh, to this past week's episode, watching it together because the theme this week was Star Wars. And so they're going to be building these incredible sets based on key moments from Star Wars films. But unfortunately, in southern Indiana, crazy weather hasn't been canceled. So as we're watching this episode that we've been looking forward to, the meteorologists, the news just kept having to break in with updates about the weather, the latest thunderstorm warning or tornado warnings. And every time they would break in with a new report, they would interrupt the show. My son Lincoln, who's six, he'd go, ah, oh, I could hear the frustration. Now, on top of the fact that they've been looking forward to watching this, and so they were frustrated, they also really don't like storms. And so this news is interrupting something that they wanted, and it's also something they're fearful for. And at one point, Lincoln, my son, looks at me and he goes, Dad, is this fake news? Now, it's hilarious to me that my son at six years old knows the phrase fake news. But it's interesting that because of his frustration and his fear, it pushed him to say, man, I hope this is fake news. And when life is interrupted by things like right now, it's frustrating to us. And when there's news that causes us concern, it brings fear. We, we get skeptical and cynical, even at the young age of six, when your Lego show is interrupted. And I'm sure that right now, there are a lot of things that we wish were fake news. In fact, I want you to text me, what are some things that you wish we're fake news right now. Text me at 812-708-0389. I want to hear what it is that you wish was fake news right now. What we're going to see in this passage of Scripture, though, is though cynicism and skepticism can come as a result of our fear and frustrations, 
that Jesus, he's not afraid of our doubts. In fact, what this passage teaches us is that Jesus welcomes doubters. And what we see here in John chapter 20 is Thomas, who had put his trust in Jesus, had been one of Jesus's close followers, that after Jesus is arrested, he's, he watches him get beaten publicly, he's stripped naked, humiliated, and executed in this public way, Thomas has some doubts. And the truth is, is that Thomas had had some doubts before this. In fact, Thomas had been the most vocal one. Whenever there was a problem, he was kind of the one that was a little bit more um, skeptical about things. And so Jesus embraces Thomas in this moment because he welcomes doubters. And some of you, that's where you're at right now. Because of everything that's going on, uh, you're, you're kind of having some doubts. You're struggling with how things are going right now. I know that for some of you, it's been a big deal that recently you've kind of reoriented your whole life to follow Jesus and to worship God and be a part of our church and our community. And now you're not even able to worship Jesus at church on Sunday. You've put your trust in God, and now the world's turned upside down. I know that others of you, you've taken steps to trust God to meet your needs and provide for you. And right now, the economy is headed in the, in the wrong direction. Some of you have been furloughed, you've been laid off, and it's causing you to doubt. And so because of this current situation, you're struggling with some doubt. Others of you, though, you've been doubtful and skeptical since you were seven years old. Like, you were skeptical before March. You were skeptical before this current situation. You've always been skeptical. Thomas, you could kind of see how he fits in both of those categories. He clearly has some doubts because of the situation that he's currently in, but also it seems like there was some skepticism that Thomas had all along the way. And wherever you're at in that, whether you're doubting because right now the situation is tough or you're just kind of that person you've been skeptical since, since you, as long as you can remember, know that Jesus sees you and he wants to come alongside you and comfort you and give you hope today. And that's exactly what we're going to see happen in John chapter 20. Because John chapter 20 tells us a story after Jesus' resurrection of Thomas' doubt and then his belief and how that belief turned into hope. So let me read John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31 to you. But Thomas, one of the twelve, one of Jesus' disciples, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus had appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Thomas makes this like bold, emphatic statement, Except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas is saying, Unless I can see the wounds that he got on the cross when he was executed, I'm not going to believe that he's raised back up from the dead. I'm not going to believe it's him. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. And John goes on to say, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life 
through his name. Now, Thomas's doubt here in this passage has gotten him kind of a bad rap in the church through the years. And I'll be honest, I've read this passage of Scripture in the past a little bit harshly and even judged Thomas a little bit. But because of this moment, Thomas earns a nickname, and perhaps you're familiar with it or you've heard it referred to someone else. Thomas becomes known as Doubting Thomas. Perhaps you've heard someone be called Doubting Thomas, a Doubting Thomas, unless they can see it for themselves. But I want to ask us, I mean, can you blame Thomas? I mean, Thomas had put his hope in Jesus. He had trusted in Jesus and followed him around, had gone into some pretty scary situations. Thomas had shown that he did have faith, but then he watched Jesus be executed. And the hope and trust that Thomas had put in Jesus had been crushed on the rocks at the foot of the cross. What Thomas had expected to happen didn't happen, and it caused him to question everything. And I think where Thomas is at in this passage is exactly where some of you are at. You're a believer, you have faith, but the way that the world has turned upside down so quickly has caused you to have some doubt. You just don't even really know what to expect. And I think probably Thomas wanted to hear some good news, and probably he wanted to believe that Jesus had raised from the dead, but he wasn't going to get his hopes up in case it would just lead to more disappointment. And so that's what some of you have done. You're just kind of putting your guard up and you're kind of closing off because you don't want to be disappointed by the latest round of bad news. I want you to know that if that's where you're at, if you're right where Thomas was, know that Jesus meets us in our frustration and our fear. Jesus shows up to talk with Thomas in the middle of this, this doubt. And it's interesting that Jesus shows up and the disciples have turned the upper room into like a hideout. They're there hiding. They're scared. They don't want anybody to find them. And so they're kind of having this conversation behind closed doors, hiding out. And Jesus shows up and the doors are locked, but Jesus just pushes past them and comes through the walls and the locked door. Now, you perhaps haven't locked yourself away, but in this situation, when we're struggling with doubt and frustration and fear, what we often do is we start to lock our heart away. We start to close ourselves off. We start to put up walls. And some of you have done this in relationships because you've been burned, because you've been hurt. You put up walls. You keep people at a safe distance. Some of you have not only put up walls, but you've put roadblocks and barriers and a moat and booby traps, right? You're keeping everybody at arm's reach. But Jesus can push past all the walls that we put up. They had hidden themselves away, but Jesus shows up right where they're at. And Jesus can push past all of the walls and the barriers that you've put up. And maybe that's been you, but this situation is causing you to doubt your doubts. And in this situation, you're opening up to Jesus because you are desperate for some good news. But Jesus can push past all of those things, but he's not going to force himself upon us. Jesus can push past the wall, but he doesn't come in scolding Thomas. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you walked up on somebody talking badly about you? Or you walked up on someone doubting you or doubting your character? What's your reaction in that moment? It's typically not positive, right? And Jesus could have come like crashing into this room with the force of a tornado. And he could have like elbow dropped Thomas with the Holy Spirit and be like, you are going to believe. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't force himself on us. 
He doesn't roll into the upper room to scold them. Rather, Jesus' immediate words to them when he shows up are, Peace. Peace be unto you. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. That's what Jesus says to them. Thomas, who is frustrated and afraid and doubtful, Jesus doesn't show up and question his loyalty or scold him. Jesus shows up and says, don't be afraid. Come and see. And some of you, you you struggle to believe in God because you don't want to believe in a God who's just up in heaven looking for people to punish, looking for someone who's going to make a mistake, and God can come down and, and whack them on top of the head. And know that I don't believe in a vindictive God either. Because what I see in the Bible is I see the picture of a God who was loving and kind and gracious and went to great lengths to offer us mercy and forgiveness. Currently, as a church, we're reading through the Gospel of Luke, and after that, we'll read through Acts. And uh, last week, we read the passage where Jesus walks into the synagogue and he reads a passage of scripture from the, the prophet Isaiah. And that prophecy is speaking of him, and it says, I have come to preach good news to the poor. And that, that doesn't just refer to people who have little money in their pocket or very little money in their bank accounts. Jesus isn't just talking about people who don't have a lot of material goods. He's saying, I've come to preach good news to those who are lowly, to those who are the outsider. He's saying, I've come for the broken, the doubter, the cynic, the outcast, people like Thomas and people like us. Jesus came to preach good news to people like us. And so Jesus didn't just come for people like us. He didn't just come and say, hey, Thomas, it's okay. Don't be afraid. He came and he said, Thomas, let me give you some good news and let me validate that good news. And so Jesus comes into our lives, not just to say like, oh, I'm sorry, or I, I, I hear where you're coming from. He comes into our lives to give us the good news of the gospel. And that's what he does for Thomas. He shows up in the room. He shows up in the middle of Thomas's fear and frustration and doubt. And he gives him the good news that he is alive. And then he gives Thomas the opportunity to have his faith built, to have his faith validated. There's a really beautiful painting of this moment. And it's painted by Corvaggio, which I'm probably like totally butchering his name, but it was painted by him in 1601 or 1602, about that time period. And there have been many, many other painters that have imitated this scene, but in this moment, he's painted Thomas actually putting his finger into the place in Jesus' ribs, his side, where the spear went in. And there's a lot that I love about this painting. I love that what is supposed to be Peter and John are there and they're looking in intently, even though they haven't expressed any doubts, they're looking for this demonstration. Um, but what I love is that Jesus is guiding Thomas's hand. And he's not just saying, Thomas, it's okay. He's guiding him along. He's pulling him into faith and belief. And some people think that, you know, when Thomas saw Jesus, that that was enough. He didn't have to put his hand in the nail prints or in the hole in his side. Others think that Scripture doesn't tell us that. But I love the, the intimacy of this moment. 
And, and wherever you're at here, whether you're Thomas and you need to place your finger on the hole where the spear went, or you're like Peter and John and you're a little bit more dogmatic, but you would be interested in having your faith further validated and built up, wherever you're at in your faith, I want you to know that Jesus will meet you there if you welcome him. If you open yourself, he'll meet you there if you're open to it. So Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, you have believed because you've seen. And then he says this really powerful statement. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, hang on with me, okay? Because this is so, so good. Jesus says, blessed are those. And that phrase, that statement is one that Jesus uses a lot in his teaching and his preaching. There are several of those statements that are the Beatitudes that form kind of the basis of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he uses these several times in other places. He peppers them in. They are these principles of the good news of the gospel. And what he says here when he says blessed is he's, he's using a word that means happy or favor in the Lord, but also because of you are pleasing to God. You have received God's favor. You are pleasing to God. And what Jesus is saying here is, Thomas, those who believe without seeing will be pleasing to the Lord. And that fits right with what Hebrews 11.6 says. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what Jesus has said here is that there are going to be those who cannot see, who do not see me in the flesh, but they will believe and they will be pleasing to God. And Hebrews is telling us that those who have faith are pleasing to God. And what's beautiful about that is it's not saying that without knowledge it's impossible to please God or without money it's impossible to please God or without perfection it's impossible to please God, which means that it's possible for all of us to please God. You see, you don't have to know it all or understand it all or have it all or do it all right to please God or to have hope. Because faith is something that all of us can have and faith is all any of us need. Let me say that again. Faith is something that all of us can have and faith is all that any of us Let me go back to that painting. One of the things that stands out about this painting and kind of makes it unique is a lot of times in a painting like this, there would be halos over the heads of the people. and There would be this just ornate background and a, paint, a painter might use that as an opportunity to show how talented they are having all these intricate details in the background. What we have here is we have Jesus and these disciples. There's no halos. There's no background at all. It's just this black backdrop and this intimate moment. And what the painter has done is he has drawn us into this moment and everything else is set aside and it's just this moment. And listen, I know that right now in the background there is so much that is going on. Right now this message is being delivered in a context which is the, the midst of a global crisis. And there's a whole lot that we could talk about, about how, how crazy things are right now. But if we could just kind of fade all of that to black right now and just focus on the moment of you having faith that Jesus is who he says that he is. Because that's what happens for Thomas in this moment. And that 
changes everything. What I want to know for you today is, have you had the moment where Jesus became real and everything changed? Have you had the moment where your faith became real? You believe that Jesus is who he says that he is and everything changed. You see, the reason that Easter is such a big deal and the reason that we celebrate it is because when Jesus rose from the dead, that changed everything. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, we're wasting our time. This is all in vain. But if he has risen from the dead, everything is different. And if there's been that moment in your life where everything else fades and you can see that what Jesus has done is real, that he came and died on the cross for your sins and gave you his righteousness, he came and he died, conquered death, hell, and the grave, and rose again. If you've had that moment where you realize this is real, it changes everything. And I know in my life, I was blessed to grow up in church and be in church every Easter Sunday except for this one. But when I was 17 years old, hearing a message and it just becoming so real to me, the entire trajectory of my life changed because it became real for me personally. And in the context of this crisis and in the context of everything that's going on, if you can have an intimate moment with Jesus where he says, let me show you that I am who I say that I am, everything can change for you. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to show up and he's going to say, hey, listen, put your finger in my side or let me show you my hands. What I believe is that Jesus will show himself to you. He'll reveal himself to be real. For Thomas, he shows up and he lets him put his finger in the nail holes. He appears to him. For John, John runs into the tomb, sees it's empty, and he sees the grave clothes laid out. And it says he saw and believed. For the apostle Paul, he was against God. He was, he was a persecutor of Christians. But then he has this moment on the Damascus Road where everything changes. John and Paul and Thomas, they all write out these, these stories of Jesus' life. They go and they become witnesses so that other people can see that it's real and their life can be changed. And this Easter, what we'd love is we'd love for you to have that moment where it becomes real for you and everything 